Thank you, Lord. Praise his name. Don't you love the Lord tonight? God is good. God is good. Cindy has uh, been under the weather, uh, almost lost her voice. Well, she made it, but she's, she's no voice. <laughs> Don't go there. I'll get in trouble. I've got a coach over here cheering me on a little bit. Uh, so let's remember her in prayer. This is, this is usually her post on Wednesday night. But uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. I'm just going to read out of 18 and 19 here for just a minute. But uh, I don't know about you. Um, it's been a, a few months ago and actually not that long ago that I preached about dreaming again. That God just spoke it into my spirit. It's time to dream again. And uh, I just feel like even as a church, we're, we're entering into a new season, a new season. Now, I'm, I know the seasons of the last few years has taken its toll on all of us. And, and some have become weary and they're well-doing and some have maybe given up and some have shifted some. But I want to encourage you tonight to just continue to move forward, continue to hold on, continue to know what you know. And to stay in that, because I believe God's about to do something new in the hearts and the lives of his people. I believe there's a refreshing on its way. There's a, a newness of the Spirit of God that is about to happen. And, and I just want to encourage you today out of that about a new thing. And God says this in Isaiah 43 and 18. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, that excited me, number one. But when you go back and you begin to read and study where Isaiah is writing to Israel, and you see where they are at, and we're going to look at that a little more in depth in a minute, but you have to understand that these are the children of God. These are the ones that have enjoyed the blessings of God. These are the ones that knew the heritage of the Lord. They've seen and felt his hand in their life, in their entire nation, and, and seen God perform miracle after miracle. But yet in the midst of it all, now they find themselves in captivity, and they're shut down, and their hope is waning. And they're in Babylon, and they're, they're, they're wondering, uh, they didn't ask this question, Gideon asked it of, of God one time, where is the God of our fathers? And, and, and yet God was coming in the 42nd chapter and the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, and he began to reassure them of his goodness towards them. He began to tell them, you know what, this is what these verses are about. I know what your past is. I don't hold your past against you. I'm giving you an opportunity for a better day. I don't know if that excites you or not. But the day we're living in, we need a better day. We need God to show up on the scene. We need God to move in his house again. We need God to move in, in the hearts of his people again, to restore hope and life and peace and rest and uh, uh, build up our most holy faith and let God arise. And the word says if we let God arise, the enemy will scatter. 
And so I want to encourage you tonight about a new thing. You see, when we look at our life, what do we look and what do we see when we view our own life? Has anybody in here ever had a past failure? Three of us, that's great. Well, I'll try to relate this to the rest of you, okay? We've all had past failures of some kind. The, the hard part with past failures is sometimes they haunt us. Sometimes they linger. Sometimes you don't feel like you can get away from it. And that's a trick of the enemy. That's a lie from hell. Because once we become a child of God, it says, old things have passed away and behold what? All things are now become new in Christ Jesus. And so I, I want to just say that up front. You see, whenever we think about it, um, our past can stop us from moving forward. Our past can hold us up. It can, it can prevent us from fully functioning in what God has for us in the day that we live. And when we begin to look at this, uh, I just want us to look at tonight with an open heart and an open mind. You see, God will not begin a new thing in his church until he does away with the old. Now, I'm, I'm going to say some things that some may not agree with, and there may not be a lot of theology behind it. But as bad as COVID was, I think that COVID did something in the church that's going to make the church better. As bad as it was, the things we've walked through, the things that have happened, maybe there were some things in the church that were just set tradition. Maybe there were some things that we, we don't hear this term a lot anymore, the, the sacred cows. The things that we just do because we've always done it. Everybody's heard the story about the, the, the new wife that was going to make a, a ham in the oven. And so when she went over and she got the pot out and she got the ham, she cut the, the end of the ham off and set it down in the pot. And her husband said, why did you cut the end of the ham off? And she said, I don't know, mom always did. Well, mom's pot wasn't big enough to hold the ham. And hers was. And sometimes we do things just because it's what we've seen done. And, and we do that and we really don't even know why and we don't know why we've held on to it because it's become a tradition. It's become a, a sacred tradition to us. And so I think through this last few years, God has shook the church up and he said, yes, we've had great times in the old days. Yes, we can remember the times that God has moved. Yes, we've held on to some of that and we've desired that, but yet God is saying, I've got a new thing for this day and this age. And so we've let go of some things. Life has changed and, and, and church isn't the way it used to be. And we've got to find the direction that God is leading in this day, in this time right now for you and I to further the kingdom of God. And I believe that's what he's doing in this day. As Jesus put it, he won't put new wine into old wine skins. And my prayer through all this time has been, God, whatever needs to change, change it. God, whatever needs to change in me, change it. God, whatever needs to happen in the church, if it needs change, then change it. Let us become more like him and less like the world and less like what we've always seen as a reflection of him. Let us desire more of him. Let us, let us lean into what the scriptures is saying here. He is saying, don't remember the former things. We're always going to have the memory. 
We're always going to have it. But really what that's translated out to is don't live there. Don't live there. You can't camp there. You can't grow there. You can't mature there. You can't, you can't become more like Christ in that place. You can't just stay there. You got to grow and you got to become who he wants you to be. You got to begin to follow his ways and hear him. The first step to embracing the new things of, that God wants to do in your life is to change your focus. Quit looking behind and start looking ahead. Brother Holder has said many times in meetings I've been in and, and in uh, meetings the district has been in with him, he'll say everybody seems to want, and he's had several people call him and say, I can't wait till church gets back to normal. And he said, I hate to tell you this, but this is the new normal. We've got to find that direction. We've got to find. It's not going to go back to what we called the normal. It's going to go forward. And that's what we've got to learn to do. We've got to learn to, to quit longing for what was yesterday or three years ago or 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. And we've got to go and say, God, what is it today? I've got to let that go. How many in this building right here tonight ever attended down at the other church? Who all in here is attended her? Do you ever miss, and I'm, I'm just going to ask this, in growing up there, attending there, them pastoring there, did you, do you ever miss being in this building? Do you ever miss the train? You don't miss the train. You, never, you don't miss the windows rattling in the middle of service when the train's going by, honestly? There's times I'd just like to have a recording. There's times I, would, I, I miss that at times because there was something about that, but I know we can't go back there just for that. I know that. But we moved forward. We moved beyond that. And as, as much as a, as a boy and a young man and now coming into a, a little older years, there's still times I miss those times when we were in that church and either there would be a pause in the singing or Brother Fletcher would be up there preaching and that train would start coming through and you'd hear the whistle and you'd hear that thing rattling and all of a sudden the windows would start shaking in the church and he would just keep preaching or then they'd start singing and, and the train would go by and the glory would come down and, and we just had church. It didn't affect it. But with as much as I could reminisce about that, I don't want to go back there in the physical. Because God's in the here and now. I can't live on that yesterday experience in my life. I can't live on what's happened a few weeks ago in my life. I need an up-to-date, on-time experience with God. And that's what he was saying to Israel. They had to get ready because they were about to be set free from bondage. They were about to be set free. The life that they had known for those years was about to change from being in slavery and bondage into freedom. And I believe we're about to step in to a place that, that the, what we have been in has felt like we have been bound down, we have been shrunk down, we have been held up in, in everything due to the circumstances around us. And God is saying, you need to get rid of that mindset and because something new is about to happen. And we've got a desire to go where God is going and what God is wanting to do. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. If you are continually looking behind, you cannot see where you're going. 
Paul shared this with us in the secret of the success in his life and his ministry. In Philippians 3 and 12, he said this, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that which is in Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press towards the goal or the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us... As many as are mature have this mind, and if anything, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. What was Paul saying? He said, he said, I'm letting go of the past. He said, in order to be where God wants me to be and to do the ministry God has called me to do, I can't live on yesterday's experience. I've got to be up to date and in tune with what God is doing now. And as much as, as we have a rich history of services and church and prayer and, and all of the things that have come along over the years and the promises of God and, and the times of revival and the times of refreshing and, and all of that and the wonderful memories that we have, we can't get stuck in those memories. But we need to long for what God is saying today. We need to long for what God is doing today. We need God to move in a new and a fresh way in the house of the Lord, in the hearts of the people, in the spirit of God's people. We need to understand that God is saying, there's a new thing that is coming. Get ready and get in, in, in tune with it that you'll be part of it. And that's what he was saying to Israel. But I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying that today. When you look around today, there ought to be some kind of spiritual connection that is going on. If you're reading the Word and you're watching the news and you're looking around the world and looking at Israel, there ought to be some kind of connection spiritually that is saying you need to get ready. God's about to do something new. That new thing could be that he could come for his church. But it also could be that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and there would be a latter-day revival that was greater than the former one because he promised that also. And I want to be part of whatever God wants to do. I want to be part. I want Lock Lynn to be part of whatever God is wanting to do. And I'm going to take it selfish too. I want to be part of what God is wanting to do in this latter day. I've been in some great services. I've seen God move in great ways. I've understood some of that. But I believe God's got so much more that we can't even imagine what he has for the children of God that love him. If we'll just hold on to him. You cannot depend upon past victories to sustain you. You can't depend on that past. Now, I, I keep referring to that because I think that's where the enemy sticks us and he wants us to stay there. You get comfortable sometimes in the past, the way things have always been. One of the greatest proponents of growth in a church one of, the, one of the greatest obstacles to overcome in, in any, any kind of situation in a church is that one person will say, well, we've never done it that way before. And they can object to anything new. They can object to anything coming. But in the, in the, the lesson of Israel, the children of Israel had many victories in their past. Leaving the land of Egypt. Conquering the land of Canaan, fighting uh, over in and conquering the, the enemy in the land of Canaan. They even survived a split 
in their tribes, even in the nation. The question isn't what has God done? The question must be, what is God doing in your life right now? We all have had victories. We've all had those moments that we point back to. We all had those breakthrough moments that God come down and rescued us, maybe even from ourselves at times, from the battle in our mind, the turbulence in our heart, the things that were going on in life itself, and, and God brought us through. But how many knows you can't live on a past victory? You can't live there. Oh, they're wonderful to, to reminisce. I remember the revival that, that we had for so long. And I remember coming out of that revival and, and, a, and we was actually rolling along a couple years and, and several people off and on would come to me and they'd say, I just wish we could go back to that revival. I just wish we could have that revival again. I just wish that, that we could experience God like that. And, and my answer to them was always this. If you want the next experience of God, go win somebody to Jesus. Because he filled us up so much in that revival. He, he poured our cups to overflowing. He, he did works in the lives and hearts of, of people, not just in Lachlan, all over this county, that if we would have just taken that cup and poured it into someone else, there's no telling what God would have done. And there's no greater joy you'll ever experience in Christ than leading someone else to God. So it's great to have the victories, but we can't live there. God, what is he doing in our life right now? Or what is it that you want him to do in your life right now? What are you desiring of God? Not only what is he doing in our life, but what are you desiring him to do? What, what, what's your desire? Is it to please him? Is it to draw closer to him? Is it, is it to become a man like Elijah? That when he prayed, things happened? I've always said we could do that if we're willing to pay the price. Elijah paid a price. He was a man that prayed. He knew how to touch God. But we see things that we'd like to have in our life, and sometimes it comes down to we really want that. Do we really want that in our life? The second thing I wrote down was you cannot allow the past failures to possess you. And I believe this is where the enemy has a lot of people stuck in the past. The children of Israel had failed God miserably. Every time he blessed them with good things, they returned to him with evil things. Have you ever noticed the history of Israel? How many likes a good roller coaster? You go to King's Dominion, you get on that one. Over to see, what, what's it called? Cedar Point? I've never been to that one, but... I've seen it advertised. You go up to Kennywood, I guess, and different places. How many like the roller coaster? It's up and down and around, and some now go upside down, and you hang with your feet hanging out and all that fun stuff and all of that. Well, the roller coaster is just an up and down experience. And if you read the history of Israel, you will be on a roller coaster. So if, if you like amusement parks... All you have to do is begin to read the history of Israel from the time they were led out of Egypt, from the time actually they were in Egypt, and all the way through, 
And you will be on a roller coaster. There are highs and there are lows. There are turns and twists and times they had forgotten God altogether, times that they were in bondage, times that everything but God was about to bring them out and he was reassuring them. They were in an up and down relationship. And I've always said this ever since I've been in ministry. Israel in the Old Testament that we read about is much like the church of today. People are on ups and they're on downs. They're on highs, they're on lows, spiritually. Now, we all go through that. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. We all experience that. But the church in general, they go on highs and they go on lows. They go in twists and turns and things happen you never expect. It's, it's, sometimes it's exciting and sometimes it's exhilarating and sometimes it'll scare you to pieces what's going on. And yet the church remains. And we continue to ride it. And Israel just never did learn. God would bless them. And they would turn away from God. They would, they would think they did that. We brought ourselves out. We, we were able to make it. What did Brother Holder say on Sunday morning? If I caught, caught it right. I thought, he, I thought he said that if we removed the Holy Spirit, which many people are, the church could go ahead and operate about 80 to 90% and not even know that the Holy Spirit was gone. That's, that shakes me up. Because I need him. I need his leading, his guidance. I, I need him to move in the service. I need him to be the one in control. And if we're so self-sufficient, we are very close to being like Israel. We're about to lose out with what God has. And I hope something stirs and triggers in us. The children of Israel do not deserve to receive anything from God, yet he still loved them and he earnestly wanted to help them change. God loves Israel, even today. We can't Americanize Israel to make us like Israel and, and God didn't replace Israel with the American people or church. We need to have that full understanding. They are still his chosen people. We better learn to stand with Israel. And we better pray that this nation doesn't turn its back on Israel. I can say that. But I want you to understand, there are so many parallels to what God was doing with Israel. He didn't hold their past against them. He was offering them hope for the future. He knew. He knew who they were. He knew what was going on. But look what he says to him. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. In other words, he says this, forget about your past. I am giving you an opportunity to start over. Wouldn't it be nice just, well, I don't know if it would or not. Let me, how would I want to phrase that? People ask me all the time, wouldn't you want to be such and such an age again? I don't know. I think I messed it up pretty good the first time. I don't, I'd hate to have a second time to do worse on a lot of those ages. But what I do know is that God is a God of second chances. And God will take us right where we're at and he'll love us. And he'll accept us. And if we just call on his name, he'll just, he'll just put his arms around us and he'll bring us right back where we need to be. And he's proven that through his word time and time again. He has proven that in, in, in so many times, even in our day and age, in our Christian walk, that, that when we've stumbled and we fell, he's been there to pick us up. When, when we couldn't make it on our own, he's picked us up and he's carried us. When we've, when we've blown it, 
He's put it all back together because he loves us and he wants to use and give us that chance to start over. The second thing I wrote down here was simply, you cannot live on yesterday's faith. You can't live on yesterday's faith. The children of Israel had experienced great spiritual blessings throughout their history. From the first Passover to the crossing of the Red Sea to the conquering of the land of Canaan to the building of the temple. The children of Israel had seen the hand of God at work in and through their lives. Yet their faith in what God had done was doing nothing to deliver them from their present situation. They needed their faith kindled. They needed something to be stirred inside of them. They knew the God of yesterday. That, that story had been handed down. That story had been delivered from generation to generation of the delivering and miraculous power of God. But it wasn't helping in their situation now because they didn't know God in that way. Gideon was another one. I mentioned it in the onset. Gideon, whenever God was calling Gideon, he, he come out and he said, where is the God of our fathers? The God they talked about, the God that, that people had, had passed down, the miracles when, when they talked about crossing the Red Sea, when they talked about conquering in the land of Canaan, when they talked about all that God did, his delivering power out of the hand of, of Pharaoh in Egypt. And they understood that was their heritage, that was their lineage, but they had never experienced that. They were in a land of bondage. And my prayer today is simply this, and I'm going to just collate it to, to, to us. As I pray that our children will not just hear about what God was and who he was, but they will experience him and know him. That there will be a fire kindled somewhere in this church that God will begin to stir the hearts of men and women, the moms and dads, the grandmas, the grandpas, the one that can sit back and say, I remember those prayer meetings. I remember those song services. I remember that revival. I remember that preacher. I remember whatever is stirred into your remembrance. And you can say, yeah, I remember that, but I want to experience God in a new way today. And I want my children to know him, my grandchildren to know him. I want them to experience the God that I know, not the God I knew. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up a generation that, that our children are no longer in the house of God, that our grandchildren are not going to know the God that you know, other than you will tell them about the way church used to be. I hope God stirs a fire down inside of all of us. That it won't be, that we won't be content just to come, get ours, and go home. But God will begin to do something down inside of us that we'll begin to share it with our kids once again. We'll begin to have devotions once again. We'll begin to pray over them once again. Maybe you do that, but maybe you don't. But my prayer is if you don't, that God will kindle something that that little granddaughter, that little grandson, you'll be able to give them scripture and have them memorize it. You'll teach them the old Bible songs, the B-I-B-L-E and, and yes, Jesus loves me and the things they can hang on to 
and, and, and it'll get down inside of them that when they're walking through life, all of a sudden they may feel like they're completely defeated and depleted, but that little song will rise up inside of them and they'll know that God is still there and God is able to move and God is ministering and he hadn't left them or forsaken them, but even though they may not understand it all, they know that God loves them. My prayer is that for us today, that God will do that. Their old faith was not sufficient enough to deliver them from their present problems. They needed new faith, a new vision of what God could do. They needed a new portion of faith that had brought to pass all the victories from before. And church, can I just say this? That's what we need today. That's what we need today. We're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. Did you hear what I just said? We're not waiting on God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I get it. But God's waiting on us to get up and move. Get out of the things we used to know, the things we used to do, the things that, that we had in the past, the things that, they're not all bad things. There's victories that we've held on to and said, man, God brought me through that. How great is our God? And God's saying, yeah, but I've got so much more if you just get up and move from where you're at. If you just get up and quit looking at that and focus on me. Get your gaze off of the things of the past and get them on the things that I have before you because I've got a new thing. I'm going to make a road in the desert and, or a road in the, in the place and a, and a spring in the desert. I'm going to bring new things into your life and you're going to be able to do things you never thought you could do. That's what God had for Israel. I believe it's what he's got for us today. I believe that's what he's saying to the church today. We need new faith. We need to kindle that faith. Stir up the gift of God, Timothy, that's inside of you. Let no man despise your youth, but stir up the gift of God. Mom and dad, stir up the gift of God. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of being spirit-filled. Speak in tongues while you're praying around your house. Speak in tongues while, while you're solving a problem. Pray unto God in that unknown tongue that, that the only thing that knows is God in you. I can remember as a young boy coming in out of a whole mess and trouble and things I shouldn't have been in and what I would hear when I walked through the door was my mama knelt down beside her bed regardless of what time it was and she was called upon God and she was crying my name out and my brother's names out, my sister's name out and she was calling on God and half the time you didn't even know what she was saying because she was lost in the spirit of God but I will assure you at least in my case that is what kept me preserved me, sometimes scared me to death but it's what drew me to God and has me where I'm at today don't be afraid to pray for your kids and, and to stir up that faith that God has inside of you. You knew how he moved before. He wants to move even more now. We're serving a miracle working God. And he's doing miracles every day. Every day we're getting reports from people. They're not always shared from the pulpit. They're not always given in a testimony. But almost every day we get a report from someone how God has moved in the miraculous and done something and, and ministered and brought healing and done a deliverance and, and all kinds of things. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do in the day we live. Is new things in our hearts and our lives. What is the new thing that God is wanting to do in the church? 
over in Isaiah 42 and 9, it says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. What is he saying? He says, get ready. Get ready. That's, that's the, the, it's not a warning, it's a proclamation. He is saying, you need to get ready for the new things. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know it's about to happen. I'm letting you know something new is about to come. Church, can I just say it? Can I be his voice uh, tonight? Can I just say it in this way? Get ready. God is about to do a new thing in your life. God is about to do a new thing in Lachlan Church of God. I believe God is about to do a new thing on this mountaintop. Whether that's prophetic or just using his scripture, I'll leave that for time. But I just want you to know, I feel that God is about to pour himself out in a new way, in a new season, in hearts that are really open and ready to receive what he has. And he is giving time to that. He is giving time to that. He was preparing Israel in a season that they had no hope. They had lost all desire to worship him. They had forgot what it was to feel the presence of God. And he is saying, I need you to get ready. I'm giving you this proclamation. I'm telling you ahead of time to get yourself ready. Something new is about to happen. Church, get yourself ready. Something new is about to happen in the kingdom of God. I truly believe that. The signs of the times are pointing to that. The signs of the time is taking us there that there's going to be a, a time of decision. There's going to be those that have the goods and those that don't have the goods. There are going to be those that want to follow God and there's going to be those that are going to want to follow the world. And you say, well, pastor, that's always been there. But I think the lines are going to get more definitive. I think the lines are going to be more seeable than ever before in the day that we're living. It's going to become more clear as time goes on, as things begin to unfold, as the word of God and prophecy begin to unfold right before our eyes, I believe we're going to see things begin to change. And God is saying, don't rely on that old way. That old way was great. It was there for that season. It was there for that time. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. But it's time to stir up those things of God you know and let him do those new things he wants to do in your life. God is about to do a new thing. And this new work will be so glorious it is going to cause his people to praise him like never before. Listen to Isaiah 42 and 10. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song and his praises from each end of the earth. Who you go down to, to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlines and you inhabitants of them. God is telling us, let's sing, let my people sing worldwide. I'm going to tell you, there's a revival going on around the world that we don't hear a lot about. And you're not going to hear it on the national news or even international news a whole lot. Unless you're tied to missions somehow, you're not going to hear it. But there are thousands of people being saved daily all around the world. There, there are thousands of people that are being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost in countries that never experienced the Holy Ghost before. There are people that are calling upon the name of the Lord. There are tribes that are being saved that somehow an angel has visited them and, and God through that angel has given them 
the word. Others have been missionaries that have went places that nobody else has ever been and they've won people to Christ and revival has broken out in entire towns and villages. Yes, we've been saturated with the gospel and I think sometimes we have taken it for granted, the situation we're in. I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm here to say we need to get ourselves ready for what God is about to do. Time is not going to matter at some point in this world. We're going to be seeking God while he can be found, and we better be ready when God comes because he's going to come in the twinkling of an eye, and time is going to be no more. And time shouldn't matter to us right now. What we need is more of God, not more time. Time is defined and is definitive by what God has already made it. We know we got 24 hours a day and seven days a week and whatever days in the month and 365 and a quarter days a year. We have that. We understand it. We can break it down to the minute to the second and how much we use, how much we waste, how much we do things with, all of that. There's all kinds of charts to find that. But there's going to come a time when time doesn't really matter. What's going to matter is where we're at with God. And he is saying, I'm about to do it. And I believe his spirit is saying it in the hearts and the lives of his people right now. He said, let all my people worldwide sing my praises. Let them hear a new song from the sailors at the sea, from the people in every nation, and from all the lands of the earth. And I believe God is stirring something. I believe there's a new song that is coming to the house of the Lord. There is a song. There is a sound in the house of God. We need that sound back again. It's not about the worship. And it's, it, it, is, it is part of the worship. But the sound goes beyond what we see on a platform and what we hear in the musical instruments and in the singers that are there. It's a sound from heaven that meshes in. It harmonizes in. And you know when your spirit is in tune and you know when God is moving and you can sing that song and all of a sudden it's like the angels have joined in. There's going to be a song one day that the entire world is going to sing, I believe, because it's going to be a song of the redeemed. It's going to be a freedom song. It's going to be a deliverance song. It's going to be that thing that set men free and nobody else will really understand it. But I'm here to tell you, God is doing a new thing. And he is stirring and he is doing it. We must see, you must see your possibilities as God sees them. He says, I am making ways in a desert. God is able to transform the desert areas of your life into fields of blessing and abundance. God can take what is dried up, a useless life, and transform it into a life of purpose and grace. And so many times we have, felt like, we have felt like we have failed. So many times the enemy will remind us of those things in our past where we messed up. And we feel like there'll never be any life in that part of my life again. I won't ever open that up because I'll never get hurt again. And we begin to build walls and hard places in our life. And God is saying, even to his children, I believe he's speaking it to us too. Let that stuff go. God can bring a road in the desert. He can bring spring and new life in a desert. He can do something in those hardened places in your life 
that will spring to life. And those things that, that you've walked through, those things that have hurt you, those things that have wounded you, those things that, that you never dreamed you'd have to go through in this life, and, and you've kind of let that crust over, and you've let that thing where nobody will ever get in there and hurt you again like that, God can take that hurt and he can use it to your advantage and his good. He can turn that around. That thing that is that has brought you trial and pain, he can take that pain and turn it to power for the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean it was fun to walk through it. It doesn't mean it was easy to overcome it. Doesn't mean it was a, 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 an easy time to pray through it. But God already knew where you was at. And he is saying, if you'll just give those places to me, I can turn it around in your life. And that thing that you thought was going to bring you down will be a blessing, not just to you, but it'll be a blessing to others that are going through the same thing. I've always said, we don't walk through things that it was just for us. But we walk through it and we make it through it by the grace of God, number one. But it's also to give and to help someone else that goes through something, maybe not exactly, but similar to that very thing that you've walked through. I believe that's why testimony is so important. I believe that's why sharing our story is so important. I believe that's why sharing our faith is so important. Some people don't know where you came from. Dick Foth, Assemblies of God minister, president of, of uh, West Coast Bible College at one time. I believe he resides in Washington, D.C. area right now. He made a comment one time and he said this. He said, you will never truly know a person until you know their history. I want you to think about that. We think we know each other, but if we don't know where that person came from, what they went through, even as a child, what they went through in their life, where they came from, what they had or didn't have, their life story, you really don't know them. And sometimes when you get that story and you begin to know them, you begin to understand why they are the way they are now. But the ironic thing about it is God knows every one of us by name. He knows everything you've walked through, everything you've endured, everything you've carried, everything you've tried to hide in that secret place. Guess who's there with it? God. And in all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, he loves us. He doesn't hold it against us. And he says, come on. He says, I've got something new for you. You don't have to have all that stuff. Let go of it. Turn it over to me. I've got a new thing. I've got blessing for your life. Where that hurt was, I've got blessing for that. Where that weakness was, I've got strength. And he wants to change us and draw us closer to him. You see, he's going to do a new thing. I just want to be part of it. I just want him to be part of it.